off the ball. If he gets a knighthood, it'll be the services to insomnia because it's a boring way of playing. <laughs> There's 20 different stories to say that fit into this. It's why we love sports. It's the storytelling element of sport. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. You're so unexpected. It's one of those you had to be there moments. You had to be there. It subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life. I had to be there. Okay, it is uh, one of our uh, most popular and favourite slots on the show. It's You Had to Be There. Our guest this week is Owen Colgan, who is obviously a comedian and a fitness expert. More so, more so a fitness expert but uh, as the fitness uh, industry it's, it's, it's all the rage these days it is yeah, yeah it's good to keep in shape you know and uh, when you combine the two worlds together it's like a magic happens synergy yeah. you know yeah exactly uh, very of the now um, before we get into your list which is brilliant um, you're busy at the moment got some gigs going on around the country um, I'm in Mullingar tomorrow I was in Derry last week and uh, go within in a few weeks time as well so so you're doing the bypass the whole time on your own yeah pretty much yeah yeah we kind of, at the beginning of the Hardy Books, we all like did the show together, but then because everyone's busy with their own stuff that we just decided we start doing our own stuff, you know? Okay, so you've got a full hour of yeah. comedy. Yeah, a full hour of comedy, yeah, yeah. That's tough. It's tough, yeah, definitely, but the only way to do it is to, the only way to get good at it is to actually go on stage and do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because you can practice as much as you want at home, but you need the people there mm-hmm. to get the reaction, because it gets to a point where if you're at home going over all your material... You think it's no good anymore. You don't even know what's funny. You're like, is people this? aren't laughing because there's no one there. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it starts off, you're like, oh, this is funny. That's funny. You start putting it all together as a story and then you try to put a narrative through the whole thing. And then at the end of it, you're like, I don't know if any of this is funny. Um, and are you uh, like a student of comedy history or that kind of stuff? Or you like know, I wouldn't, when I started off, I wouldn't have been at all. I would have just like, because it happened, this career of mine happened by accident with the Hardy Books. So Just fill people in. What happened? So how did that happen? Well, I was working in Galway and the lads were working in different parts of the country. And then... What were you doing? I was working in uh, Easton's. Right. At the back tagging books. Right. Yeah. And uh, I do you a good deal if you want. Yeah, I'll have you guys. Sure Love reading it. <laughs> tagging books and talking shit in the back room. Pretty much. I was hanging out with the security guard the whole time right. in the back. And there was another guy that worked in the back. He, were, he was always obsessed with World of War. You know that game World of War? Yeah, For, yeah. He kept on about it every day. And I was like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> So uh, Eddie Durkin and the Viper, those two fellas, they were doing like a school project. So they said, oh, come to Mayo for a weekend. And How we'll did you know them? I knew, I knew Eddie Durkin. I'll just stick to their like acting names because that's probably handier. I knew Eddie Durkin through French Toast because I used to go to school with French Toast and play football with them. Okay. So he's like, there's this new lad in town. And this lad landed up with like long red hair. And I was like, he's, he's a lunatic. So we kind of started all hanging out together. And then they were doing a school project in Ballyfermot. Right. So they had to do a weekend project and they just said, do you want to get involved? And I was working at the time. I was like, I don't want to be tagging books all my life. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. Like, oh, no. Good trade if you can get it. And yeah, so exactly. That was the birth of the Hardy books. Pretty much, yeah. Well, the lads had already filmed a pilot, but then they went and they, we filmed like another kind of extended kind of demo pilot. Right. So then got myself and Salmon and different characters involved. And it just, it just took off from there then, you know. It seems like it was a giant success straight away. Maybe it seems like that in hindsight, but I don't think it was. There was okay. a, a lot of time in the middle where like, we were hanging around like, for weeks going, what's, what's happening now? Do we keep doing this as a career? Because <laughs> none of us really knew what we were doing with our careers at that time. So it just kind of took off from there, you know, and then we started getting a few gigs here and there. And the first gig we ever did was actually in Casabar. Right. You, you might know Casabar. Yeah, Jesus. 
and uh, the five of us went up on stage but like we didn't really know the etiquette of stand-up so we just all started delivering our stories at the same time <laughs> and we were like trying to kind of get on top of each other with delivering the story so the crowd was like looking on with a lot of confusion you know okay yeah but that was you know that was part of it too that's how great things start exactly in a bit of chaos yeah you know you need to take the chance as well where, like so where, where did buzz come from where did the name buzz come from eddie durkin he was i think he was doing a prank call one night and the fellow goes who's this and he goes it's uh buzz mcdonald so then the name just stuck from there and then about a week later we were doing another prank and uh the fellow goes like, who's this? And I said, the Seti Durkin. And then the two names just kind of came from that. So just random names, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, Billy Buzz McDonald. That's the it's name I go by. Brilliant, isn't it? Do you, how do you look back on that time now? I look back at it as a great, like, kind of diary of the friendship that we had. Because I can see not just the messing we did on camera, but I can see how we were getting on at the time too. And we were hanging out all the time. So... You know, there'd be periods where we'd be like, I'm sick of hanging out with that lad. Or there'd be other bits where, you know, you kind of know how you're feeling in your life at that point as well. So um, to have it on camera is great, you know. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't think it, people would still talk about it, but the fact that they are, it's a good sign, I guess, you know. And the the fact that you are now, that that's who you are. You've become a comedian yeah. Yeah. off the back of it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's strange, you know, because I never really thought about doing this as a career. And then all it just kind of happened by accident, so... I'm kind of going with it now. So I'm kind of envious of people who were like, when I was 10, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. When yeah. I was 10, I, I didn't really know at all. Maybe play football. Do you have any bits and bobs like the, the Celtic jerseys, famous, the, even the vests? It's kind of like Angelo from Keeping Up Appearances, the, the, the vest, even Eddie Durkin. What, do, you, do you have bits and bobs that you still have props-wise? No, I had, like, any time we do a gig, you know, I might, like, if I was wearing the Celtic jersey... <laughs> I get really excited and I take it off and just go, you can keep that. And then after the gig, I'm like, ooh, I want that back, actually. <laughs> so sometimes I'd have to go back and say, I might just get Excuse that me. off you again. But um, a few, there's a few bits. I've got a Drake jumper at home. And it was just a random one that I found in a second-hand shop. And it's just like Drake doing a dance move. So I have that in the attic at home. Brilliant. And that's not going anywhere for the moment. But that's, that's about it. The odd script and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. To make sure I give everybody an opportunity, if anybody wants to buy tickets... Just Google Owen Colgan. Yeah, it's on my Instagram as well. Okay. Owen Colgan Fitness. Um, the order here is uh, Liam McHale in the All-Ireland Final in 1996. Obviously the first game. <laughs> didn't, didn't play enough football in the second game for us to yeah. to race. Uh, so this is the draw game. This, is, this mm-hmm. is the heartbreak? The biggest? Well, the original heartbreak? I the, don't know. The game itself wasn't the heartbreak. The game itself was like, it's, it was like kind of going to a house party and you thought it was finished. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute, it's only nine o'clock. And yet another few hours to go at it. So it was kind of, we went up on the bus and uh, I remember I drank so much TK lemonade on the bus, I, I nearly exploded on the bus up on the bypass. And we were eating sandwiches and all that stuff. And the crack was unbelievable. As you can imagine, like a gang of lads coming up on a bus. What age are you? What was I? I was born in 84, so... You're only 12. 12 yeah, geez. right. 12, yeah. Okay. All-time great memories then. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's imprinted, you know. And I remember seeing... Liam McHale on the field and he was kind of like he reminded me of one of my teachers I had a teacher that also played for Mayo years ago TJ Kilgallen oh yeah a tough real tough man you know <laughs> and I remember looking at Liam McHale and he played basketball as well in Ballina so I was like who's that lad there and uh, just yeah the game was great you know it was like end to end kind of action and there was I think there was a bit of a scrap there as well so the whole thing I, I was looking at him as a child going I want to be that man and uh, like you know, obviously, there's uh, 
is it 30 years now of subsequent heartbreak that you don't realise this, this is um, going to be a, a constant little drumbeat in the rest of your life? I thought that that would be the time that we'd win it and then the floodgates would open. Yeah. But some fellow in Mayo once said to me that he thinks it's nearly better if we don't win it because then the party will finish when we do win it, you know? Yeah. Because the novelty will wear off. But the longer we leave it, the sweeter the prize will become. I almost feel like two or three lost finals for a Mayo fan will be like character building, but eight, whatever it is now, eight, is it? It's just yeah. torture. That's torture. And there's been a few along the way where I was like, oh, no, this is it. And I've been telling everyone, going, this is it. And then, you know, you're in the pub and you're like, oh, maybe this is not it. <laughs> and uh, even against, I think the time, the last time we played Dublin, I think uh, where I was in Murray's pub there on O'Connell Street. And then after the game, the dub's like, ah, fair play. We wish you won it as well. Like, you know. Yeah. But that, that's, that's even worse. more so. Yeah. Yeah, it's worse. I had a friend who was planning to stay up for the whole weekend after the final and he just, he just got a bus straight home after the game because he just like, I can't be listening to people, you know, telling oh, me I that you should have won it. Like, yeah. So that's, that's nearly a harder thing to take. You know? It is. The patronising, uh, sorry. I think they mean it. That's the thing. I think they mean it. But at the time, it's kind of like, you know, your girlfriend breaking up a chinch. Like, you're a good lad. Like, yeah. <laughs> boss, the I don't, boss. I don't yeah. want to be around you. <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next one on your list is Adrian Sheeran beating Alan Reynolds in midfield. Yeah. It's a, which is a town of Mayo. It's like a village, you could say, yeah. Right. It's a fight. It was an organised fight. <laughs> it was at the time, yeah. It was an organised fight and Adrian Sheeran was like an all-around boxing champion. Right. And Julie, it's, the venue was called Julian's and it was like a massive disco. And, like, the disco was renowned to be famous. Like, people from Sligo would, would go there, Roscommon. Mm. People coming up from Clare on buses. Right. You had different rooms. Like, you had the Chaos Chamber. You had, like, apparently Mayo's biggest dance floor in the middle. The Chaos Chamber. The Chaos Chamber, that's yeah. That's a good selling point, Mayo's biggest dance floor. Yeah, that's yeah. What the, but then I don't know if that was actually factual, like, because this was before the internet, really. So, like, you couldn't check. Uh, Julian's Disco. Is this the one that Nathan used to have a dodgy way of getting people in, in the free yeah, oh yeah people are in the back there's all different he, he had a way of like charging people <laughs> to the side, to get to the side but then yeah, eventually they found it out and um, obviously the bouncers weren't very happy about this yeah yeah. Well, the, the thing about that place is my uncle was a bouncer there okay so he'd be like yeah go on in right even so, if, so you were guaranteed to get in even at 14 yeah pretty much yeah but, but for the actual fight anyone could win and uh, the reason why I brought that up the fight is because it, it was just like such an epic off the charts fight where like the roof because the roof wasn't even that high you know so everyone was like banging the roof and at one point I felt like I saw the sky like and the whole roof lifted off the hinges and uh, Adrian Sheeran won the fight anyways but he, he yeah he fought for Ireland as well Was it a close fight? Obviously it was It was very close you know it was kind of hard to know who was winning and it, it was just it felt a bit like Rocky you know there was a lot of a lot of hard body blows going in there and a lot of kind of going oh your man is who's going to win this yeah one? there's a there's a strong Irish amateur boxing thing in Mayo there's been like uh, many Irish champions whereas you know you, you kind of think there's a few boxing clubs around the country that are mm. kind of considered to be heartlands but it seems like it was a big deal when you were growing up yeah oh definitely there was boxing clubs all over the place and actually myself and the lads we used to go to uh, this like boxing co- club called Pat Kirby's um Boxing, boxing club, I guess it was, but it was real old school equipment he'd use. Yeah, and uh, there'd be different parts of the training where, like, you'd put your hands above your your shoulders, like, the, or your head, like this, and there'd be just people coming in, like, giving you loads of body shots. And like, this is before you know you'd have a sports science before sports science came into the game. So I don't know if it worked, but I feel like 
my ribs are still broken. <laughs> well, and also your lifelong love of fitness, which is exactly, yeah, a good yeah. said today. That's where I was. Comes I was from. Yeah, I was on the job learning. So did you box as a kid? No, no, I did a lot of sparring, and we went. We used to do this thing where we travel around to different boxing clubs, and we'd kind of just box their local lads. I never actually had an official boxing match, but there was one time we went to Bal. I don't know if you've ever been in Bal. It's a lovely, like, big town there, but in Mayo. But um, we went down there anyways, but there was... I remember going in there, and there was, like, a, a punching bag in the middle. It was really light, but the lads in there were, like, kind of punching it, and it was, like, swinging. So we were like, oh, no, we're going to get destroyed in this place. Um, and then we went into the ring, and, yeah, it was, I pr- pretty much got destroyed in a, in a local fight by some lad. And that was, was the end of that? That was kind of like, you know what... I might try and do something a bit easier. Which is scarier, get, uh, like stand up in front of a room full of people for an hour or getting into a, a ring sparring with a, a big lad? I mean, from the outside looking in, the, the boxing would be a lot scarier, but getting up on stage for me is, is kind of scary, you know? It's kind of right. my biggest fear. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, That's kind of one of the reasons why I continue to do it because it really scares me to the point where I have to actually meditate or learn. I'm trying to learn how to meditate and do affirmations and all that right. just so I can kind of counteract all the the negative voices that I get in my head yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so I'm also a qualified affirmation expert now as well Jeez, uh, so it works it obviously the meditation works well I've only tried a small bit of it but I definitely think it works yeah like if I have a gig we'll say in Dublin what I'll do is I'll drive into Phoenix Park a few hours before the gig and I'll walk around and, I, and I'll go I am good I am doing my best I'm trying you know that kind of thing yeah I guess if people have bought tickets they, they're dying to see you they know your stuff yeah. they're familiar with you they're already fans Definitely, but in in my mind, I'd be like, okay, they're expecting me now to be funny. And then right. what if I'm not? You know, what if I'm just the farce? You know, the kind of imposter syndrome. Yeah, but there's almost an awkward humour to buzz. So people are like, expect a little bit of awkwardness yeah. and, and definitely not non-perfect. Definitely, yeah. Hour, yeah. That's, you know? yeah, yeah, that kind of works. I try to work that to my favour going, sure, I meant, I meant to fall on stage. There was one time actually I had a gig in Donegal. It was, it was the middle of nowhere. And uh, the stage was brought out forward a bit. And I have a projector, so I'm constantly pointing back to the projector doing slides and stuff like that but uh, didn't know you end up falling off the back of the stage <laughs> and the, the slide thing like the <laughs> you know the cartoon so people, people laughed that, there you was, go. that was actually the biggest laugh of the night and I was like that's, cheers that's my new ending <laughs> exactly the last time we had you on you were in Buenos Aires mm. and the line wasn't amazing but it struck me that you were a well travelled man I, I don't know or maybe I just um, oh, he is away when we want to talk to him he is therefore a man who travels a lot just pure luck was it okay just pure luck yeah so uh yeah, Buenos Aires, I was there for the, the time to win the final. Yeah. So it was nuts. It was like Garrett Brooks on steroids. It was like... <laughs> There's fo- a thought there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Think about that for a second. Garrett Brooks squatting while on steroids. Um, it was like the population of Ireland on the streets. And uh, I was hanging out with some people that I know over there, girlfriend and different people as well. And... Uh, it was just, I got carried away at one point. It was like being in an ocean where you're like, Jesus, I was just getting pulled away and my arms were up there and I, I couldn't really do anything about it. So I just got brought into the crowd and then I had to kind of sneak my way through like loads of people and I was like sweating absolute buckets, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea about anybody here at all. So I had to kind of keep walking down like side streets just to get to a point where I could actually like kind of breathe, you know, and get yeah. my phone out and text. And I was like, right, I'll meet you at this location. So ended up, meeting them at a different location but it was pretty much I was on my own in an ocean yeah. of Argentinians how does that feel? it felt quite good actually did it? yeah there was a, I was doing a bit of tango in the middle of it you know you have any Spanish? 
Un porquito, sí. Oh. <laughs> well, not, not really much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, the reason I bring this up is because your next one is Steve McManaman for Real Madrid against yeah. Espanyol. So, uh, is this in Barcelona or is this in uh, Madrid? Madrid. Right. Yeah. They won 5 1. Yeah. It's just a, a, a run in the middle of the Liga game. McManaman must run the show, does he? Well,. Yeah, he did pretty well. Like, and I just felt some sort of affinity towards him. I don't know why. Like, but it's kind of like that connection you have with, with Liverpool. So when I seen McManaman playing with all the Galacticos, mm. I was like, he's my guy. You know, I want to, I want to be that guy. So he, I think he scored a goal actually in that game as well. Goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice to see it too because I don't think he was getting a, a real good time when he was over there. Um, so yeah, that it ends well for him, obviously, um, with the cracker in a Champions League final. But were you a Liverpool fan already? I'm not even a Liverpool fan. Somebody okay. got me the ticket. Right. So I'm actually a Man United fan. Yeah, so sorry about that, lads. No, I'm a United fan. So United? Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, it's all good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where, like, somebody got me a ticket. That's normally kind of what happens. I'm not really a great man for getting tickets, but if somebody says to me, do you want a ticket? You take. You say yes. I'll take it because I, I don't want to miss out on an, an experience. And were you just in Madrid and happened to get the ticket or had you gone to, because you knew you were getting the ticket? I, got, the I, w- I went because I knew I was getting a ticket to go to the game, yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. Bernabeu, a good state? Good. Unbelievable. But I found it strange. I found, like, the, the actual pitch was, it looked a bit smaller than I thought. Like, it looked actually right. smaller than you might see, like, mm. an amateur football field in even in Mayo. Like, you know, it looked, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked smaller than the fields I've been playing on in Mayo. So. Yeah. I'm sorry, is football your first love? Soccer as a kid? Soccer as a kid, and then it went to kind of Gaelic football. And yeah, it was pretty much between those two. And did Gaelic football when you went to school and like a little bit later or when Mayo, you started going to the Mayo games at 12, thinking, oh, this I, is I was more I was more so into soccer, you know, but then Gaelic football was really encouraged in school because we had people like TJ Kilgallen, Martin Kearney. Oh, yeah. He was another uh, teacher of ours. So th- it was kind of encouraged to play Gaelic football. Now, I wasn't that good. Mm. I didn't have the height, but I had the touch. I had a good touch on me, but the problem is I couldn't get near the ball. So I kind of stuck to the little kind of tidy passes in, in soccer. Um, but then over the years, I've kind of dr- grown more towards the Gaelic football. Right. I don't know what it is. I just feel like a, because I'm maybe living back in Mayo again. I was going to ask you, you're back living in Mayo and you can back feel, is, is there are the spidey senses tingling again that this might be the year? Um, will you be sitting in Murray's and you're getting the bus home or will you maybe be like yeah, where to be on this town <laughs> that's the thing you see you have to you have to decide where you're going to be for it you know because that's an important feeling to have after like oh, so it would, Mayo would shut down for oh, weeks wouldn't it there was lads crying one of the finals that Mayo lost outside the pubs just like lads who would never show emotion men in their 70s you know like lads like real tough yeah. lads with big hands and they're just like I just seen them breaking down I was like please win it in my time Jeez, you yeah. know but um I'll probably be in Mayo for the next one. It's a good story, though the the constant waiting for it. Yeah, I mean, it kind it's of not is, yeah. great to live through. I suspect maybe it is great to live through because you always feel alive. That's definitely, like, you know, yeah, and it makes it all exciting. It is always exciting. Yeah, and like your, your brand is, we are the exciting team who will when when we look like we're dead, we're not dead, and when we look like we're going to win it, we're not going to win it. It's like you never know. you on your toes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've two more to go. Um, this one, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm very surprised. Shay Given. Yeah, for Ireland against Italy in Poznan <coughs> in 2012 um, another free ticket right well a, a ticket that it was raffled between myself and the lads so myself and another friend Michael Salmon got two tickets right but for some reason we just went in different directions to the stadium <laughs> and uh, we were in the stadium and I was in a big bunch of like Irish Polish people from all over the world were just just like in the stadium shouting and I don't have really have good eyesight, hence uh, I got the glasses. So I couldn't quite see what was going on. But I remember, like, 
think I was I was asking a fellow beside me, and he's like, "Oh, Shagan, Shagan Givens after saving that one again." So. I felt like his presence was very important to stop it getting hammered altogether. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of diving, you know. Yeah, the tournament yeah, yeah. wasn't great. No, it wasn't great. No, but the atmosphere was amazing. We were actually over in Poznan at the time, uh, over there doing a bit of filming. Right. But the next day we went to like this kind of water park just to kind of chill out, you know, and just to kind of relax and forget about the the football. And uh, myself and another lad were in this kind of spa, spa like yeah, yeah. kind of jacuzzi area. And, uh, you know, there's different etiquette around the world for those kind of things. So we were kind of in a circular room and there was a hose in there just with water coming out of it, just to cool you down. So my friend had the hose out and he started spraying it all over the room. And then all of a sudden he was like, what's that? And then this like really big Polish guy kind of walked out of the the (laughs) mist and he'd been spraying this Polish lad on the chest (laughs) (laughs) with water. So um, he he found the funny side of it too, because he was a big dude. But... uh, that certainly made us forget about the result anyway. Jesus. Don't forget <laughs> something yeah, like that in a hurry. Yeah, but like, the Irish fans were at that particular competition, everyone was like, you're Irish, oh yeah, my God. Yeah. I want to buy you a drink or they want to spend time with you. There was a, a, a 24-hour sensation where everyone was like, oh, you can't be singing the Fields of Bath and Rye at the end of the game. I was like, well, I mean, uh, for me, the Fields of Bath and Rye is like a, a horror show where you're mourning the loss of something yeah. terrible. And mm-hmm. it's only appropriate when you've been hammered or you're trying to lift up a team who've been beaten. The Munster fans did it after uh, Northampton beat them in the European Cup final in rugby. And the Ireland fans did it after that. And I thought that was quite appropriate. If Leinster fans had broken into it last week, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded because it's like, we still have your backs here. There was like, yeah. I thought, it, I personally at the time. No, it's just, it's it, just, it's the undying support, you know? That's a patriotic song too, though. Patriotic, yeah. It's, it's a lament at the end of it all. But it's a lament for something lost. And we had lost our, you know, our... Uh, all the football matches <laughs> uh, yeah. badly let's not go into detail now exactly, yeah. exactly yeah. and then the last one is Simon Zebo. this is a, a moment of exuberance to finish on Wales against Ireland um, in 2013 my brother got me a ticket for that and he's like do you want to go to this uh, game in Cardiff and I was like I don't really know anything about rugby at all but he goes come on should we? it'll be a bit of fun and again the eyesight was kind of struggling at the time so I remember Watching, I seen the Zebo flick, you know, and I was like, "What, what was that? Oh, I couldn't really get it." And I had to wait to see it on the big screen to to like realize how good it was, you know, because there was a massive kind of roar at the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, that was amazing. Yeah, that was the one and only rugby, rugby game I've ever been to. A lot of times, the roar at matches is like, "I think something amazing has happened." What was it? It's kind of a, Ugh! and then you see it again on the big screen as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can digest it a bit better. But we went to a pub then quite close to the uh, stadium after and then we met some like Welsh ladies and they were like oh go on speak to us in, in like Irish or your Irish accents and all that stuff so we were just chatting to them about the bog and <laughs> <laughs> fucking turf and they were loving it so uh, I suppose maybe I don't know you might have some Welsh people down the bog what were you saying about the bog what would you say just like just kind of saying stuff like oh I love a bit of foot and turf and you know there's a great drying out there and they found that just like hilarious because they'd never heard any bog talk before. Wow. So, so there you go. So it was a, a, a good day and good night. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Are we to assume that retrospectively now all of these, there was also some uh, something else that happened in like in what was the name of the nightclub? Uh, Julian's. Julian's. Yeah, good night that night too. Or the Poznan steam room. <laughs> <laughs> the great positive yeah. name room incident. I'm, I'm married to like a Polish uh, fellow now. There but, you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> all in all, great times, you know, great experiences. And uh, yeah. Well, thanks very much for sharing it. So, um, your next gig is in Mullingar tomorrow night, you said? Mullingar tomorrow night. Tickets still available or no? Uh, I think that one's sold out. That's okay. in Columbia Bar. And then I'm in the Roisin Dove in Galway. And then Dolan's as well in Limerick. So it's kind of like a mini tour. And then I'm going to sort of add on some extra dates at the end of it. Okay, so for dates and fitness advice, get onto Instagram. Please do, yeah. On Coggins, you had to be there. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. It's so unexpected. It's one of those you had to be there moments. You had to be there. It subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life. I had to be there.